This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. You can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Subscribe to the newsletter. Follow me on social media. I want to begin this hour with a phone call from Cheryl because I was going to talk about this anyway. And we should. And she's got questions about it. Cheryl, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Well, hi, Eric. What a blessing that God answered your family's prayer with your heart's desire. So thank you. Congratulations. And I hope for continued uh, blessings to come your way. Thank In you. regards to your email about California reparations, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how do you think this plays out? How do you think California administers the reparations if it gets signed by Newsom? How do you think one qualifies and meets the criteria, especially if there's um, mixed ethnicity or heritage in a person's um, background? Uh, Should we let this great experiment go on and implode? Um, And then how do we protect federal dollars from bailing California out? (laughs) Good questions. Um, I I honestly do not believe that they can get this done. Um, I, I it has been attempted in other places uh, to very little success. Uh, it, it is essentially virtue signaling, Cheryl. Um, thank you very much for that question. It, it, for those of you who don't know what Cheryl is talking about, this is a great, great segue into, into this. San Francisco, California has um, decided to do or, or push racial reparations for black people in the city who are descendants of slaves, the state of California has come behind them now and expanded that idea with a state study committee. California was a free state. When it came into the Union, slavery was not legal in California. But uh, California, over time, elected a uh, rabid racist governor And they began passing laws marginalizing the access of black people in the state. Over time, that was undone. But California never had slavery. California, however, believes that the state has done black citizens wrong over time. They have embraced the idea that the state is systemically racist. And they want to make it right. And one of the ideas floated is a million-dollar payment per resident 
who is descendant a descendant of slavery. They would have to do the genetic research themselves. They don't want to give it to just any non-white person. You've got to have shown historic systemic racism. Uh, and, and, you know, what's funny here is how do you prove systemic racism if it's woven into the system? Anything that works against you, therefore, qualifies as some sort of systemic racism. Or you got to be the descendant of slaves. Now, side note, tangent here. I was talking to a friend the other day who runs a uh, female-owned business, and she was saying in order to qualify, she had to document all of the things that had been done to her uh, that were done because of her gender, all the negative things. And she doesn't operate that way. She doesn't function that way. She doesn't dwell on what might have been slights. She just finds another way to move on. And instead, uh, she essentially said she had to call her former employer and say, hey, I've got to write down all of the ways that uh, you were a sexist, monogenist uh, discriminator against me. Can you list those things? And I mean, obviously, the, the, the person was willing to help her, and it was like, um, it, but essentially, they had to have a victim-victimizer relationship in order to get it done, which is this absolute nonsense. But to qualify, to, to, to be certified as a minority-owned business or a female-owned business, you had to go through the victimology through the federal government process, which she found to be deeply offensive. California wants these people to document how they've been uh, victims of systemic racism or direct descendants of slavery, and they'll get a million dollars. But here's the problem. The calculation of payments shows that California would have to pay more money than the entire budget of the state of California, which means it cannot happen. California's already in debt. It's already got problems. It financially can't afford it. If Republicans are in control of Washington, there's no way they would bail out California for doing this sort of nonsense. And here's the bottom line. What's really going on here is virtue signaling of the left. See, what they'll say is, well, we really we want to make it right. We just financially can't make it right. So what they will do is they'll try to come up with other ways. They'll come up with perks. You know, in, in Colorado, a member of the Denver City Council was caught on tape saying that white businesses need to be taxed and the money go to black businesses. What's missing in all these conversations, of course, is the U.S. Supreme Court and existing law. You can't treat people in this country differently based on their race. So you can't tax white businesses to give the money to black businesses because that's discriminatory. And you can argue, well, yes, but it writes past wrongs. doesn't matter. You can't discriminate in this country even if you argue that it's to, to right past wrongs because why? It's discrimination. You have to treat people in this country equally based on their race. The whole thing is kind of silly, kind of dumb, but that's where we are. That California is doing this, though, honestly, I think it, it builds up false hopes. Um, it builds up people expecting. It's like the lottery ticket. People go out and buy I buy lottery tickets, but I only buy lottery tickets when it gets up to like $500 million. I figure two bucks, what, what, the, what the heck, might as well. Don't expect really to win. One day I hope maybe God will find favor on me, but some days I think he's just sparing me from from, from winning because, 
wealthy people just just wind up screwing up their lives. People who buy lottery tickets and win big screw up their lives. I wouldn't screw up my life. I would just get a very nice private jet so I'd never have to hang out with you people at the airport again. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, a lot of people look at this like a lottery ticket. They're they're going. They've got the winning ticket. Their race, their ancestry, and California is going to give them a million dollars. Except it's not true. And how many of them are anticipating the million dollars to right past wrongs? And what the white people in California in charge of this are really doing is what they're really saying is, we want to give you money and wash our hands of the problem. This is the weird part of it when you follow the logic. They believe in California that government is systemically racist. Paying people a million dollars will not get rid of the systemic racism. What it will do is give them the ability to absolve themselves of the problem. They'll say, well, we paid you a million dollars. It's your problem now. It's an indulgence, much like they do with global warming. Rich people fly in their private jets and then pay a carbon offset and say, well, I'm allowed to fly private. I paid the indulgence to the environmentalist movement. We're allowed to not have to shake up our government completely and keep it systemically racist. We paid you a million dollars. Shut up and like it. Because you know that's the end game here. The rich white wokes, they're tired of caring about poor black Americans. They don't even cover them when they, get, when they shoot each other anymore. It, it just completely, it's out of the news. Those 32 people in Alabama, they were all black. They got shot at a Sweet 16 party by two black shooters. You don't hear the media continuing to talk about it, do you? No, the media's got to talk about the, the, the shooter in Texas from the other day who might have been Hispanic but also white supremacist. Therefore, it is white supremacy. Therefore, it's newsworthy. But shooting 32 people without an AR-15, killing five, nope, don't want to cover that one all because of the color of their skin. The media gets worked up on the mass shootings because that they think could happen to them. So if you text data to 33777, you get my email, put some data in today. And um, you know how many people in 2021 were killed with an AR-15, murdered with an AR-15? About 105 out of 20-some-odd-thousand gun deaths. One's too many, but 105 out of 20,000, very small number. The media is obsessed with banning the AR-15. They don't talk about the handgun. They don't talk about deaths in the black community. They don't talk about black-on-black violence. Remember the, the guy in Atlanta who shot up the Asian spa and everybody wanted to talk about anti-Asian violence till it turned out the guy was a sex addict and that's why he killed them. And it turned out that most of the violence done against the Asian community was actually by young black men. We don't talk about anti-Asian violence anymore, do we? And in California, they just want to buy people off and then tell them, we'll stop complaining about the racism. We gave you a million dollars. They, don't, they, they say it's systemically racist. They don't offer anything to fix the systemic racism. Just throw money at the problem. The left likes to throw your money at other people's problems. They don't actually like to solve the problem. You know, if they actually boosted law enforcement, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, they boosted law enforcement, cracked down on gangs, they could solve more gun violence than they could by banning the AR-15. But the AR-15 is easy and they don't have to actually deal with the problem. They don't have to deal with the holistic 
overall problem. They don't want to do that. That would be hard. They want easy, and they want a virtue signal. And so they'll do racial reparations and then move on with their lives and dare you people to complain. Now, one more phone before we go to break. Uh, Julio, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hello? Hello? Hi there. How are you? Well, he hung up on me. I don't know. He was asking, Julio, if you're listening, he was asking about my wife's medicine that that she is on. Um, scans are good if you're just tuning in. And she takes a medicine called Tegriso. And it, it's very specific, though. It's not for everyone. So my wife's cancer, it's stage four lung. It's genetic. And her body is, if I understand it right, her body produces a protein that it should not produce. And her lungs capture that protein and convert it into malignant tumors. And what this medicine does is it keeps her body from producing the protein. Therefore, the tumors can't feed on the protein. Therefore, the tumors don't grow. The problem is that because it's genetic, eventually uh, the body mutates around uh, the medicine and the proteins start being produced again. But thus far, seven years, everything's been fine. But it's a very specific medicine for a very few number of people And I thank God every day for insurance because it is a ridiculously priced medicine since so few people use it, but it works. It's only supposed to work for two years. For my wife, it's worked for seven. We have been very blessed, and thank you again for your prayers. This other program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan Nationwide. They can help your business grow. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Spend just 10 minutes with them. See if they're a fit for you, you for them. If you need $750,000 or more to grow your business. Now, uh, I got to jump into Twitter here because this exchange just happened at the White House. uh, And uh, Curtis Huck caught this. This is uh, Jackie Heinrich at Fox News engaging with uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House. 43 Republican senators signed on to a letter opposing raising the... Oh, where'd it go? Three Republican senators signed on to a letter opposing raising the debt ceiling without budget reforms. And 217 members in the House voted for that bill to raise the debt limit with cuts to spending. Does the White House consider all of those members to be dangerous MAGA Republican extremists? Now, the response from Corrine Jean-Pierre, great question, by the way. 43 Republican senators voted for that bill to raise the debt limit with cuts to spending. Does the White House consider all of those members to be dangerous MAGA Republican extremists? Do they understand what the cuts that they're voting for is going to do? Do they? Do, that's the question. I mean, Republicans in Congress, in the House specifically, voted for cuts that's going to hurt American families. I mean, we can't say this enough. 22% cuts to veterans, healthcare, schools. That's what they voted for. That's what, and, and this is not, okay, but this is not, this is not just, this is their constituents. This is what they voted for. Yes, constituents, this is what they voted for. It's true. Um, but are they, don't they get the right to vote for these people? And those constituents that they're voting on behalf of have said that they're concerned about their retirements, about the effects of inflation. And those members represent more than half of the country in the house. I mean, those, that's the majority of, of districts 
in the country, that they're voting on behalf of those constituents who are expressing concern about where the economy is. So I guess, how can the White House continue to use messaging calling this the Default on America Act um, and, and paint this legislation in, in such a way without having a, a conversation about the budget um, when you've got half the country saying that they want that conversation? So House Republicans are threatening a first ever default. They want the president to agree on a plan in its entirety that includes cuts that includes cuts to programs that are incredibly important for the American family. No, they want him to come up with his own cuts and they can negotiate. I mean, this this isn't hard. She's an idiot, but this isn't hard. Come up with cuts, some cuts, your cuts, your proposal for cuts. I mean, that, that's what the Republicans are, are saying. Uh, cut the 87,000 IRS agents. Cut the Green New Deal subsidies. Cut, cut all of that stuff. Get rid of it. You don't have to cut veterans programs, which they're claiming and isn't true. You don't have to cut defense, which isn't true. You don't have to cut Border Patrol agents, which isn't true. I mean, they're just making stuff up. Have they not even read the legislation? It's the Democrats at this point who are pushing default by refusing to negotiate with the Republicans. The Republicans are not doing a clean debt ceiling increase. Uh, Those of you listening right now, who are with the Democrats, you do need to understand this isn't going to happen. It has never happened when there's been a split between the parties controlling the White House and Congress. It's not going to happen this time. If you want to go over the fiscal cliff, go for it. What's so hilarious to me is that the White House thought Wall Street would be on their side and Wall Street saying, no, we actually do have a spending problem. They thought the, the Committee for a Responsible Budget, which they have cited repeatedly, would be on their side. And the Committee for a Responsible Budget say, no, we're, we're not on your side here. we got a spending problem. The White House and the Democrats are out on a limb alone. Wall Street is not coming to help them or save them and on their side. The Committee for a Responsible Budget is not on their side. In fact, they've got Democrats out now attacking the Committee on Responsible Budget when the White House is the one that's been citing them until the moment they didn't have the White House's back. They're going to have to make cuts or we're headed over the fiscal cliff. And it's Joe Biden in the driver's seat, not the Republicans. Joe Biden needs to cut a deal with Kevin McCarthy that can get Republican support. He doesn't seem to be willing to do that. So default is coming and all the economic hell that comes with it when he decides to default. And that's on him and them, the GOP already voted to raise the debt ceiling. Democrats just didn't think they could do it and have now been caught flat-footed with no plan. When we come back, the shooting in Texas. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. So if, if you're just tuning in, uh, yesterday I was Speaking at an event in Sea Island, Georgia, I had never been down. Well, I shouldn't say never. Like 20 years ago, I was down there for like maybe 12 hours. Um, so Sea Island is a, it's a like five-star resort. It's very, very fancy. Um, slightly pretentious perhaps for some. Um, I, I It was very beautiful. I liked it. Uh, I'd like to go spend time though. I don't know that my family would feel comfortable down there. It's, it seems to be... A, a place for the young rich, and I don't know. I mean, the people who dress their kids in, in fancy. Like, you know, when my kid was little, we didn't buy them, like, 
Ralph Lauren polo shirts because they're going to grow out of it in like three months. I don't understand the people who do that with their kids, and yet that's the sort of people who go here. Uh, but it was very nice. It was very nice. When I was there 20 years ago, I was not there for a very long time. I was put in a very nice room, and I was so poor. I will never forget I did not have enough money in my checking account uh, to buy a drink at the bar. Uh, I had to put it on a, on a credit card. And I, I just, I remember that distinctly. It was, it was so, I was so out of my league being there. I can't even remember what the event was for, but it was like 20 years ago. So went yesterday and was going to do the radio show from my hotel room, had all my equipment there set up to go, tested the line, everything worked and never even thought about talking to the microphone. I had had the microphone on Friday when I was in Washington and did my show. It's the same microphone worked fine on Friday, completely dead. On Monday, and that particular microphone, it's, I know you, you don't care about this, but it's called, for those of you in radio, a Shure SM7B. We use them at my flagship station, WSB. They are built like a tank. And apparently, tanks, uh, when you check your baggage, uh, can also have damage done to them. It was, it was just remarkable. Um, really, I'm just, was shocked that it would die. And I tried to borrow one from the hotel, and it was sucked, so... Had to do a best of show yesterday, so I couldn't get to yesterday what I wanted to get to, and I'm actually kind of glad that I couldn't because I I, I was going to make a prediction yesterday, and that prediction would have come true. The media is still today talking about the shooting in Texas. What I find notable about this is that the media moved very quickly from the shooting in Alabama where 32 people were shot because it was black-on-black crime with handguns, no AR-15s. And it was all non-white in McAllen, or not McAllen, Texas, um, Allen, Texas. The shooter's Hispanic but had uh, Nazi tattoos and other things. I believe he was in a gang Probably had you secured the border, he wouldn't have been there, but he was. Uh, and, and the media wants you to know it's all about white nationalism, white supremacy, and white ideology. They are really obsessed with this idea. So 32 people get shot in Alabama, five of them killed. They're all black at a Sweet 16 party, and the shooter is black. The media moves on from that story as quickly as they can. A 65-year-old white man shoots and kills a 20-year-old white girl in New York who turned around in his driveway. The media moves on from that story as quickly as they can. But an 85-year-old white man shoots a young black man through the door, doesn't kill him, and the media obsessed about that story for days. Now we've got the shooter in Texas who's got um, white supremacist ideology, SWAT stickers, big neo-Nazi fan. The media's going to obsess about that one. Turns out the shooter in Atlanta, according to his mother, was on a medicine. And the medicine worked for the kid. The VA was treating the guy. But uh, the VA insisted that the guy move to a different medicine and was concerned that the existing medicine was addictive. The mother told the media... She didn't care about the addictive nature of the medicine because the medicine worked for her son who was grappling with all sorts of traumatic issues. 
they forced him to move to the medicine, and he winds up going winds up going to the hospital and shooting people, killing one. That was a very inconvenient story. No AR-15. I covered it because I live in Atlanta. I, my flagship station's in Atlanta. It seemed like a, a big story. It needed to be covered. The media has moved on very quickly from that story. It didn't fit the profile of a shooter the media wanted to cover. But a guy in Texas with swastikas, they're all about white supremacy coverage, and he shoots up a mall and in a very diverse area, a lot of non-white people killed by a guy who's Hispanic, but he's a white supremacist. We got to cover that one. What's amazing to me is how quickly the media was able to deduce the motive of white supremacy of this guy in Texas, and they still haven't figured out why Audrey Hale shot up the Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, nor do they have any curiosity about getting the manifesto that the police have decided not to release. Curious, isn't it? So I got into that chat GPT system. And I asked a question of the chat GPT system. Break down the 2021 gun crime statistic totals by race of shooter and race of victim. Chat GPT is pretty woke. But I want to read you the answer of chat GPT. Because though it's woke, it can't avoid the obvious. I'm sorry, but as an AI language model, I don't have access to real-time data and statistics beyond my knowledge cutoff date of September 2021. Additionally, it's important to note that collecting and analyzing data on gun violence can be a complex and sensitive issue, and even the available data may not always provide a complete or accurate picture of the situation. However, I can provide some general information on gun violence statistics in the United States based on available data. According to the Gun Violence Archive, which tracks incidents of gun violence in the U.S., there were over 43,000 incidents of gun violence in the U.S. in 2020, resulting in over 23,000 deaths and over 19,000 injuries. The data on the race of shooters and victims is not always available or complete, but based on available information, it appears that gun violence disproportionately affects black and Hispanic communities. According to a report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on firearm homicides from 2015 to 2019, the firearm homicide rate among black non-Hispanic individuals was 28.5 per per 100,000 population, while the rate among Hispanic individuals was 7.8 per 100,000 people. In contrast, the rate among white non-Hispanic individuals was 3.3 per 100,000 population. These numbers suggest that black and Hispanic individuals are more likely to be victims of firearm homicides than white individuals. Regarding the race of shooters, data from the National Crime Victimization Survey suggests the incidents where the race of the offender was known, black individuals were disproportionately represented as offenders of violent crime, including firearm-related offenses. However, it's important to note that this data does not provide a complete picture of gun violence as it only includes incidents that were reported to law enforcement where the race of the offender was known. Overall, it's clear that gun violence is a serious issue in the U.S., and efforts to address the problem should take into account the disproportionate impact on black and Hispanic communities. It's also important to continue collecting and analyzing data. That's ChatGPT. Tries to dance around the issue. Let me give you the issue, the data from Pew Research. There were 48,000 
830 gun deaths in the United States in 2021. 48,830 gun deaths. 54% of those were suicides. You get rid of all the suicides and you're left with murders, accidental shootings, accidental discharges, things like that. 20,958 of the 48,830, or 43%, murders with guns. In 2021, do you know how many murders were committed with AR-15s or rifles in general? Of the 20,958 murders committed with guns in 2021, 103 were mass shooting victims, and only 3% of the 20,958 were done with rifles like the AR-15. So 3% of the 20,958 gun deaths in 2021 were with rifles, and only 103 of the 20,958 deaths were mass shootings victims, according to the FBI. Now, here's the other inconvenient data. Disproportionately and overwhelmingly, it is young black men killing people in the black community. That's where the gun crimes come in. So all this, if you go back to 2021, 103 mass shooting victims in 2021, 3% of gun deaths in 2021 were with the AR-15. You want to actually solve gun violence in this country? You crack down on gangs. You want to solve mass gun violence in this country? You mobilize and fund aggressive law enforcement. You want to solve gun crimes in this country? You target people who might be illegally possessing guns. You know, when Mike Bloomberg did that in New York, he was accused of racism and sued. It's really kind of funny that the left thinks we can give a million dollars to black people who are descendants of slaves and restructure laws to benefit white to benefit black people over black white people in this country, but you target people with guns in this country disproportionately you're targeting black people and that's proof of systemic racism. The media goes after the AR15 and it really solves nothing and is the anomaly. The media targets the white supremacist shooter who uses the AR-15, and that's the smallest minority of gun violence in the country. But the media has to weave intersectionalism into dealing with gun violence. You had Raphael Warnock, the Reverend Raphael Warnock in the United States Senate, calling for legislation on gun crimes in this country. Why don't you, Reverend Senator Warnock, go into the black community and call on young black men to stop killing each other? you do a whole lot more if you were able to change those hearts and minds than if you banned the AR-15. You would save a lot more deaths if instead of trying to legislate away the AR-15, you actually shared the gospel message perhaps as a reverend or convinced these young black men to stop killing people. But you can't talk about that in the media. It's racism to talk about that. They have put up this big shield where the vast majority of deaths in this country from guns you're not even allowed to talk about lest you be accused of being a racist. These people don't want to solve the problem. They just want to stir up animosity and division. 
They don't care about the deaths. They care about the talking point. If they really cared about the deaths, they would be boosting law enforcement. They would be aggressively going after people who illegally have guns. They would be cracking down on gang crimes in this country. They would be overwhelming police forces in this country with more money and more manpower to stop deaths. They're not doing any of that. They're just screaming racism because they don't actually care. You want to make a meaningful dent in gun violence in this country? Go after gangs, overwhelmingly fund law enforcement, incentivize people to become police officers, and crack down on people illegally possessing guns. Stop and frisk worked in New York City, and it measurably impacted gun deaths in New York City. But the left screamed racism. They want to go after the one thing that won't actually dent gun deaths in this country because they really don't care I mean, in that case, you know, they probably look at it as population control as well, just like they do abortion and everything else. Their logic defeats them. The problem is every time there's a mass shooting, we have to look and figure out, is this going to be a white shooter or a black shooter? And then if it's black, well, let's not talk about that one unless unless there are a bunch of white people killed and then we'll give it a little bit of time. The media is making these racial points in covering mass shootings because they really don't care about the shooting. They care about race. And it undermines the effort to keep Americans safe. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier that eliminates odors. I travel with one when I try, and I've been traveling a lot lately, and I take one with me. I haven't had to use it of late. In uh, Louisville, I did, but not elsewhere. You, my friends, should consider one or three of them because you can get three for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. You just put in the discount code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K, on the front page of the site. And the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you can get three of them, one for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, wherever. They trap the mildew, the pollen, the mold, the dust that floats in the air. They're filterless. You just wipe out the electrostatic plate on occasion. They really work. But where they shine is in odor elimination. They don't mask odors. They eliminate odors. So you go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. You get three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping. You clean the air. You can use them in your rental car. You can use them in a hotel room. Use them in your house. They get rid of smoke odors, litter box odors, general pet odors, cooking odors. They just wipe them out. Musty odors, really handy when the person who rental car, you have the rental car before you is smoking or smoking in the hotel room next to you. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm works magic. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code ERIC, three of them for less than $200. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. We don't actually have a ton of time, but I do want to go to Steve. Welcome to the show, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Eric? Good. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I was just uh, wanting to follow up on that law tax law that they were going to change, uh, like the Cash App and Venmo and all that. Uh, I wasn't sure. I thought I saw something that that didn't actually pass, but I've been getting some conflicting information on whether that's going to happen. Yeah, okay. So what Congress was actually considering was having uh, banks uh, report on your balances and if you were sending to or withdrawing from those cash apps. That actually never made it out of Congress. So what the Democrats did is they used the IRS to change rules – and so now the IRS uh, says that those cash apps 
have to uh, send 1099s to people who have transactions of more than $600 a year uh, for their business. So uh, allegedly individuals don't, but if you're as an individual take payments over those cash apps, you got to get the 1099 now. Wow. Yep. They find ways to make it happen, don't they? Oh, yeah, they sure did. Uh, they sure did. Complete regulatory push by the IRS to do this. It's something the Republicans want to roll back as well. And and for those who say this is about tax uh, avoidance, it's not. It's about the paperwork, uh, the amount of these. Because, I mean, just if you have a Venmo app or the Cash app or something, and you're taking money from friends and you're taking money related to your business, the Cash app doesn't know. It's just going to report it all, and you're going to have to hire an accountant to break all of that out so you're not taxed on everything. And this is a, a huge uh, burden on everyone, and you this year are going to have to deal with it when you're filing. I mean, most of you already have for filing your taxes. It's just it, it's it's a real burden. And what so makes me mad about it is that the left interprets this as, oh, well, you just want people to avoid being able to pay taxes. No, do you not understand what it's like to be a small business owner who uses these apps and has a single app that they use for their family, for their friends, for their business, because a lot of people are in that situation. And it just shows the cluelessness of progressives who think they relate to blue-collar workers and don't. And it's probably why the working-class voters of America have moved to the GOP, because they get a lot of lip service from the Democrats, and the Democrats clearly do not understand anything about their lives and have not walked in their shoes. All right. We're out of time. Uh, thank you again for your prayers about my wife. Um, it, it really, it means a lot. It, it's It's been one of those birds day because I really don't like to not uh, go to the appointments. And it was just impossible for me to be able to get to her appointment with her today. And she had to go by herself. And I never liked that. So the good news is great. Be devastating if she had to be there and hear bad news. Thankfully, she didn't. She's on her way home. And we got, well, art and music concert at school tonight. Pray for my soul.